0: We've working through Acts, Paul went on a, a missionary journey, started churches in southern Galatia. He was telling them about their freedom in Christ, that everything up before the cross was under the old covenant, he lived by the law, the Ten Commandments. God and Jesus and the Spirit showed them that they couldn't do that in their own strength because they failed throughout the old covenant. Christ died on the cross. He was buried. He rose again. He sits next to the Father. And He sent the Spirit to live inside of the church. That's you. The Spirit lives inside of you. And now you're able to obey the law, do the law, fulfill the law because of the Spirit in you. The Spirit will lead you to do those things. You still have choice. You still have free will. You still have a choice to. Walk by the Spirit, or to walk by your own personal flesh and do it in your strength, and that's the struggle that Paul's dealing with right here. Is how do you encourage? How do you encourage the church to walk by the Spirit and be free? Be free from the law. That's that's the big deal. And so now uh, Paul's gone through with Barnabas. Preach this message. The Jews in Jerusalem heard about it. They sent a team up there to like retrain the people. Hey, Paul's not a legit apostle. He's not telling you the full truth. You still need to be circumcised. You still need to follow the law. All these things. But Jesus, you know, is the Messiah. And uh, Paul hears about it and literally writes this letter to Galatians. So, We've just caught you up on the last five or six weeks of what we've been studying. Last week, we went through chapter one, and Paul is literally trying to explain that he is an apostle because Jesus Christ downloaded everything to him and that he's telling the truth. He does that in chapter one, and then he gets to chapter two, and he gets to a point where he's literally fighting for Christian liberty. He talks about going to the Jerusalem and meeting with three pillars of the Jewish community, but then he also talks about his confrontation with Peter. I believe, even though he referred to his confrontation with Peter after the council, I believe that he actually met with Peter before he met with the council. It would make sense. Because Peter was in Antioch, and I'll explain all this, Here in just a second. Uh, We get into Galatians chapter 2. And Paul says this in his letter. Then after 14 years, he's talking about 14 years, God's given him this message to the Gentiles. He's spent time alone studying from the Holy Spirit and figuring this thing out, going on the missionary journey and returning. After 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along also. Titus, first mentioned here, he was a Greek Gentile and a companion of Paul. And he's mentioned to demonstrate to the leaders of the church in Jerusalem that he did not pressure Titus to get circumcised. This would have totally discredited any claim that Paul is making to the leaders in Jerusalem that circumcision is not required by the Gentiles. Verse 2, it says, I went up according to a revelation and presented, he presented, he says, I want to make very clear to you, I'm explaining myself in detail here. I went up according to a revelation and presented to them the gospel I preach among the Gentiles but privately to those recognized as leaders. I wanted to be sure I was not running and had not been running in vain and wonders. In other words, everything that I've done the last 14 years, am I doing this and I'm just wrong? Am I doing this and I'm right and you're not going to like support me? Let's get some clarity here. I want to deal with this issue. So now he meets privately with the three pillars. And he says, according to Revelation, I love this, according to Revelation. uh, When things are revealed to you, I'm assuming that they're revealed to you by the Holy Spirit. It may come through a message on Sunday morning. It may come through seeing a tree outside. It may come from meditation that you have with the Lord. I'm assuming the Spirit reveals things to you. And this is exactly what Paul is saying. He's saying, look, no one made me come here. The Holy Spirit is the one that led me to come to you. I'm coming here because I'm being obedient to the Spirit. Now, that's awesome. Because I've learned after doing ministry for so long that what Paul's literally saying here is I'm going to be proactive. How many times, how many times has the Spirit told you to do something and you didn't do it? And then you go, Oh, doggone it. I should have done it when they told me to, because now I have to like go back and you know what I'm talking about. We we call that, I call that the difference of being proactive and being reactive. You can be proactive, and this is what Paul's doing. He's like, I'm gonna go and head this thing off before it gets out of control. Otherwise, if he didn't listen to the revelation of the Holy Spirit and he stayed there, then he was going to have to deal with the reaction that occurred when the Judaizers came in and messed up everything he said. So now he's being proactive. Here's the other thing. He knows that he's getting ready to step into a difficult and awkward situation. These are my friends. These are my brothers. I'm teaching one thing. They've sent a crew behind me to teach something different and tell tell them that I'm teaching wrong. Now I'm going to go confront them. Is this not awkward? Yes, it's awkward. But one of the things that I say to my family and to my friends is fight through the awkwardness. It is worth it in the end to fight through the awkward. Yeah, you're going to you can't avoid awkward. There's going to be awkward situations, difficult situations in your life, and it's best for you to deal with them head on. Be proactive. And this is exactly what Paul is trying to do here, is he is basically confronting his accusers. He, and he wanted to do it for a purpose. The purpose here is like, hey, if we let this thing go on, I'm teaching freedom in Christ, they're teaching the law again, and there's going to be three groups. There's going to be those that are free in Christ, there's going to be those that go back to the law, and then there's going to be a combination of those that are both grace and law. You hear what I'm saying? So let's just, Clear the air here and make sure that we're square on everything and fight through this awkwardness. He really wanted their approval of what he was doing face to face. Verse 3, it says, But not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised. (laughs) I'll let you laugh about that here in a second. Uh, Even though he was a Greek, This matter arose because some false brothers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus in order to enslave us. But we did not give up and submit to these people for even a moment so that the truth of the gospel would be preserved for you. Now, it doesn't say what this meeting looked like. But Paul's in there with the three pillar the three pillars peter james and john if you remember there were two james as disciples james the greater and james the lesser james the greater has already been beheaded by herod he was the first apostle disciple to die as a martyr that happened back in acts chapter 11 i believe so now we're looking at james the lesser who became the leader of the church in Jerusalem, guess who his mother and father were? Mary and Joseph. So that makes James the half-brother of Jesus because Mary was a virgin when she had Jesus, God being the father of Jesus, not Joseph. So now you've got Peter, James, and John Paul's meeting with, and he brings Titus and Timothy in the room. And I would wonder if it went a little bit like this. Hey guys, I, I, I just come here to clarify a few things. I brought a couple of cohorts with me. This is Titus, this is Timothy, Peter, James, John. What do you know about Timothy and Titus? Do they exemplify the fruit of jesus christ well absolutely they do they're with you and we can tell by their fruit that they love jesus the way their hearts are they've got new hearts it's evident titus timothy okay boys lift your tunics and show yourselves to these guys One's circumcised and one's not. Yet they're the same. Hmm. My point is this, Paul says, you don't have to be circumcised to be a believer in Jesus Christ. He's literally saying, I don't know what you guys are saying. You're going behind my backs. You're telling people that they have to be circumcised. There's evidence right here that they will look the same. They will look the same even though one's circumcised and one's not circumcised. So whatever you're confusing people with, that circumcision that you're talking about is a physical thing. What I'm talking about is a spiritual thing. It's a circumcision of the heart. Literally, Jesus, for those of you that believe, has cut your old heart out, your old sinful heart out, and he's replaced it with a new heart. You are a new creation in Christ. Paul is making his point, and I'm sure that he used these boys as evidence. Titus, he was absolutely... Now, here's the reason. One was circumcised and one was not circumcised. Titus was absolutely 100% a Gentile. There was no reason for him to be circumcised. Timothy, on the other hand, one parent was a Gentile, and one was a Jew. So for him to be able to communicate with the Jews effectively about the gospel, he thought it would be best that he be circumcised. Not for the purpose of making his relationship right with God, but for the purpose of being able to communicate to 50% of his his relationships, his family. And so now you've got two different guys up there and Paul's literally saying, I'm more concerned about the truth of the gospel than what you guys are. Verse 6, it says this, now from those recognized as important, (laughs) he writes this in his letter, what? Once What they were once makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. Peter, James, and John, you're just as good as everybody else. They added nothing to me. On the contrary, they saw that I had been trusted with the gospel for the uncircumcised, just as Peter was for the circumcised. Since the one at work in Peter for an apostleship to be circumcised was also at work in me and the Gentiles. Then he names the three. When James, Cephas, who's Peter, and John, those recognized as pillars, acknowledged the grace that had been given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to me and Barnabas, agreeing that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Ever since Paul's time, the enemies of grace have been trying to add something simple to the gospel of the grace of our God. They tell us that man is saved by faith in Christ plus something. Like you have to do good works. You have to obey the Ten Commandments. You have to be baptized. You have to become a member of this church. You have to practice these religious rituals. And Paul is making it very clear right here, those teachers are wrong. It's by faith and faith alone that saves a person. He's, he, he, he's writing to this church in Galatia because the whole, his whole ministry has been compromised now, and now he's trying to, to get it right. He's saying it's serious to tamper with the gospel. For these guys to come back and say something different than what Jesus said, and then that that whole act of giving the right hand of fellowship—that's uh, that's that was important to Paul. I don't think that he needed the right hand of fellowship because his calling came from the Spirit. And so he was going to pursue that no matter what. But it sure would help make things right for the churches that were started if they could be on the same page and be unified. So they came to this compromise. All right. Obviously, Paul's been called to the Gentiles to preach the good news to them about Jesus Christ, to the uncircumcised. And Peter. God's called you to the circumcised, to preach the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Jews. Let's just say you're going to do that, and I'm going to do the Gentiles. That's not to say that Paul can't ever talk to a Jew, or Peter can't ever talk to a Gentile. We see throughout Scripture that that happened. But let's just say these are our defined ministries. Let's come to a compromise He's literally trying to show the church at Galatia, I'm not this rogue minister that all these Judaizers made me out to be. And the last verse in that section says, they asked only that we would remember the poor, which I made every effort to do. I think that's interesting. Peter, James, and John are located there in Jerusalem. And as you know, as Paul went through his missionary journeys, he was collecting funds for the area of Jerusalem, because they were poor in Jerusalem. And Peter, James, and John are saying, hey, we really appreciate that, that offering that you did, you know, that you gave to us. Don't forget to keep doing that. Can you continue to send us money? We'll agree on this. We'll agree on all this. That There's two different sides to this. But don't forget to help the poor. Paul had no problem with that. He had no problem saying, look, that's where my heart is. It's where the Spirit's leading me. He's always been interested in helping the poor, the widows, the orphans. And speaking of Levener, we just got the email this week to do all the Christmas stockings for the schools again this year. So we will again take on that ministry this next month. You can expect to hear in the next couple of weeks. So he's still going to help the. Now, let's get into this next section. uh, I've thought about this one a lot. And I'm trying to rethink. I have a tendency to do that as I mature in my faith and my knowledge and understanding and my revelation from the Spirit. Try to rethink the Gospel of what I've always been taught or learned or how I read it, but trying to read it from a different perspective, but now we're getting to the part where Paul busts Peter's chops is what I've always said. Verse 11, it says, but when Cephas came to Antioch, Antioch being that main city that Paul was from, Barnabas was from, that Barnabas went and got Paul to do, you know, help him do ministry there for years. It's 300 miles north of Jerusalem. There's uh, half a million people that live in Antioch. And a pretty significant Jewish population lived there. About 65,000, they believe, Jews lived there in Antioch. He says, but when Cephas came to Antioch, when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. Read that for what it is. I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For he regularly ate with the Gentiles before certain men came from James. Ooh, he not only called out Peter, he just called out James. In this letter. You realize this is a letter stating what he's already done. This isn't like a historical account that he's making of what's occurring right now. He's writing a letter saying this is what has already occurred. And those same men that came from James were not the ones that he mentioned in verse 4, the false teachers. These was, this was a different group of men. These were men that were sent from Jerusalem by James to check on what he they were hearing about Peter eating with the Gentiles. Is Peter really eating with the Gentiles? James like sent some of his guys up there to find out what was going on. Because the Gentiles ate totally different than the Jews there were all these food restrictions that the Jews had the Gentiles didn't have. There were all these rituals that the Jews went through about washing their hands and everything else that the Gentiles didn't have. And so now Paul is like hanging out in Antioch and he's hanging out with the Gentiles and he's doing the Gentile thing. Because it's been approved by God. It says, However, when they came he withdrew and separated himself because he feared those from the circumcision party. So get this. Peter's hanging out with the Gentiles, grubbing, bacon, ham, all that stuff, that good stuff. Probably not washing his hands. And he does this for a while because it takes a while for the word to get down to Jerusalem. And he's not only done it once, but he's doing this all the time. He's hanging out with the Gentiles. James hears about it. The church hears about it. Let's send some guys up there and see what's going on. Send the guys up there. Peter, you, you can't do this. You still gotta like practice the law. You still gotta like hold to the rituals that the Jews hold to. Now remember this. This is before this is before this Jerusalem Council that we've already talked about in the first ten verses. So he comes up there. Paul's not around, but Peter then goes, okay, so I can't really eat with the uncircumcised anymore. Well, i got to eat. And these guys have, are putting expectations on me, so I'm going to eat with the Jews and quit hanging out with the Gentiles. Oh, man. Paul hears about it. Paul comes back to town. Paul looks up Peter and he's like, he says, however, when they came, he withdrew and separated himself because he feared those from the circumcision party. Are you kidding me, Peter? what, What did Peter have to be afraid of? Intimidation from these guys? I thought the spirit lived in Peter and he was listening to the spirit. We, Luke, you said that I talk about this almost every Sunday. What happened here was the power of sin that happened through these men that James sent up there. They put fear and intimidated Peter into doing something that he was doing correctly. Now they were putting fear in him to do something incorrectly according to the gospel of Jesus Christ, the grace of Jesus Christ. Peter's fear was robbing him of his freedom that he had just gotten from Jesus Christ. That happens in the church all the time today. People get saved and get free in Christ and then all of a sudden the church wants to put them back under the law. This is the way you live your life. These are what you have to do. Here's the rules. This is what your expectations are. You need to do this and that. Proverbs twenty nine twenty five says the fear of man is a snare but the one who trusts the Lord is protected. Amen. Verse thirteen he says then the rest of the Jews joined his hypocrisy so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. What Barnabas? Paul Barnabas? Barnabas, you're gonna ah oh, really? You're going to be intimidated by these guys too? I, I, he, he used a very strong word here, this word hypocrisy. It comes from the theater world. It means to wear a mask. To be in a drama. To be something that you're really Not. And now, he's sitting here accusing both Peter and Barnabas of you believe one thing and you're convicted of one thing, but you're doing something totally different and you're confusing the heck out of these people. His, this, is, this is Paul's charge against Peter. He literally says, you should have known better. Hey, look, I'll be honest with you. Peter's not guilty of an honest mistake. This was a choice that he made out of fear from these men. He donned this mask of pretense, and he was shamefully acting a part contrary to his true nature. And Paul rebuked him. You hear the word rebuke and you go, Ooh, oof. Oh, he rebuked him. Rebuking can be gentle. You're you're putting in emotion into this because you've read this in the past. You already know in your own mind how Paul confronted Peter. I'm asking you to revisit that this morning. Verse 14, it says, but when I saw that they were deviating from the truth of the Gospel, I told Cephas, Peter, in front of everyone. When I was about 12 years old, I went to uh downtown church and first Baptist Church, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And <clears throat> there was uh, Dr. Warren C. Holkren was my childhood pastor, and he was up there preaching and we were on TV and everything in Tulsa. But uh this man we were across from the bus station, but this man comes down the aisle in a dress. Comes up on the stage, pushes Dr. Halkgren aside, and just kind of like, this is the end of the world. Well, fortunately, they had a a plainclothes cop sitting on the front row. And once he realized this wasn't part of the sermon, (laughs) he dove up there and uh, took the dude out. This is all on TV. And come to find out later, the dude had a gun in his purse. This is like, this is like in the 70s. This is like, that's how old I am. And Dr. Hulcran got up and he just continued to preach because he's on TV. And afterwards, he got interviewed and they said, uh, how were you able to get up there and just preach after all that commotion? And he's like, look, there's only two people that knew how really nervous I was. That was my wife and my laundry lady. But what I learned at 12 years old is once something like that happens in the service, you're done. So today we're done. Jesus, uh, I trust Your Word. I know I didn't get to Galatians 2.20, but for some reason You're saving that for next week. And uh, we, get to, we get to unpack that thing full on next week without any distractions. So today uh, we thank You for Anna Grace. And we thank you. Let her be healthy today. Let her, I don't let her feel any guilt or shame about this this morning. Just let her go on. But we love you and we trust you and we pray these things in Jesus name. Amen.